0: What good is sitting alone in your room? Come hear the music play. Life is a cabaret, old chum. Come to the cabaret. Welcome to Trashy Divorces. Hi, Stacy. Hi, Alicia. Welcome back, everybody, to Trashy Divorces. This week, we pull two more out of our kitty cat roulette cups <laughs> yep. for the surprise of season six. Stacey,
1: I have the real housewife Countess Luann De Lesseps and we had sworn we would never do a real housewife again after after some, some never say never again some words were said about our Bethany Frankel coverage from season 1 when we were figuring this out. We call it the housewife's paradox like the the more the more intense the fandom around a thing the the less good the reception tends to be sometimes. It's weird. <laughs> so super weird. This week,
0: I have a swoon-worthy candidate. You
1: do. You, yes. Mm. You, yes. Mm. We do.
0: We have two people whose lives are a cabaret. This week, I'm covering the Trashy Divorces All-Star, Cary Grant. So good. We've talked about him in association with other stories. Everybody's favorite Capricorn man lived a bright life in a lot of shadows. Yeah. Don't forget Cabaret, 1966 musical by John Kander. Role of Sally Bowles, made famous on screen by Liza Minnelli. We are going to talk about her one day, but I did not know because I have not manifested to get into Shit's Creek yet. It is I'm tragic. Trying.
1: It's tragic that you're not. Anyway, but made famous <laughs> by the 2020-2019 television program Shit's Creek, the dearly loved. You'll get into it at some point. I'm
0: trying. Oh, David. I love there's a thing.
1: Hey, before let's, let's get, talk about
0: Patreon. <laughs> yeah, before we get to the episode this
1: week. So, on Patreon this week, we. uh You dropped a little trastrology uh, on us.
0: I did. We went through Taurus.
1: Yeah, for the tourists out there. Is that not right?
0: <laughs> Our Taurus bull friends. Oh, I launched a new series. That's happening on the Trash Candy Connoisseur level called Sisters. This week we started with Cleopatra and Arsinaway. You covered, holy cats, the father of the year.
1: (laughs) Yeah, dude who's not getting that medal. Combined with the... Breakup song that launched an empire called Margaritaville. Which was originally titled... Austin, Texasville. You got it. Ooh, April in Paris was fun this Mm -hmm. week. An American who flung herself at the world, and the world was like, heck yeah. Look at
0: Miss Ohio. (laughs) We talked about Natalie Barney and one half of the Paris L-Word set of the first part of the end of the Belle L'Opoc, beginning of the lost generation generation. There's more to come with that. So much fun. We have a whole nother week of Patreon magic
1: coming up. We do. There is also, of course. um, Don't forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bonus trash candy that we have pulled from behind the paywall for your self isolation enjoyment or whatever. We're going back and pulling a few different things every Mm -hmm. week and just posting them out. So you'll
0: get tutors, old Wednesday series, different bonus divorces, some trashy melodies, some dirty digs. All kinds of good stuff is out there. Yeah, just
1: go to bit.ly slash trash candy quarantine and it's all there for you. And this
0: week, there's a welcome and huge thanks to
1: who's in our magic mirror this week. <laughs> this week, we have gratitude for Crystal E., Jennifer S., Tina L., Ruby S., Courtney K., Rebecca S., Laura Emily C., Courtney H.
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our new and existing patrons. Absolutely. We are Overwhelmingly grateful mm-hmm. for you, your love, your emails, Sunday's correspondence catch up day. So, if you
1: haven't heard back from us, you probably will tomorrow. Probably so. We also would like to note that this episode is ad free because of your generous support. Thank you so much. Alicia, are you ready to go to the cabaret?
0: Oh, I was born at the cabaret, honey. <laughs> Let's go, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> Hey Stacy. So we might have should have thought about the theme, like never say never again, because we weren't going to do any more Real Housewives. But you're switching it up this week.
1: Yeah, we're doing real. We're doing a Real Housewives. I know. Thing again. Do yeah. It. yeah, yeah, we're doing it. Yeah, yeah. We're dipping into nobility here with uh, with the, your royal housewife with the Countess Luanne de Lesseps. Lesseps. Sorry. I should probably say her name right. (laughs) too. Yeah, it's another recording day here at the Trashy Divorces Emporium. Uh, If you've been hanging out with us for a while, or if you quarantined, dove into the back catalog, you may recall that in one of our earliest episodes, I covered real housewife Bethany Frankel and the, I think it was a four-year-long divorce from a two-year-long marriage and just a tremendous mess. We got some feedback from that and... Actually, we got a lot of feedback, and sometimes we still get feedback from that episode, and we learned something really important about fandom and people's fandoms, the things they're passionate about. Everything you're saying is true. Yes. So I want to begin the story of America's Countess. I'm, I thats i don't think anyone on, on Earth says that about her. America's Countess, <laughs> Luanne de la Sepse by... Admitting that my interest in The Real Housewives extends exclusively to their trashy divorces and sort of trashy lives, and that telling her story is sort of a way to celebrate that fandom that many have in their hearts, not to diminish it. Admittedly, we are not watchers of The Real Housewife franchise. We are not, but we love all of your freak flags. May they always fly high. We've got a lot of friends
0: who have corrected us. We have some fans who stuck around. <laughs> I think we were a little light on Jason Hoppy. We were. Was the
1: problem. That and, was... And
0: upon retrospect, you like, you wish you could go back and fix
1: season one, but you can't. Mm-hmm. We would do a lot of season one differently today. Oh, for sure. We were figuring out how to do this.
0: Thanks for sticking with mm-hmm. us, friends. Mm-hmm. What we're saying is we're not Real Housewives watchers.
1: We've learned a lot since then. And they've continued housewifing. um, Oh, boy, have they. Great style. Okay, tell me. Luanne de Lesseps, an original cast member at the Real Housewives of New York City and a touring cabaret singer as well, uh, has had two marriages, two divorces, and she recently completed probation in Florida for assaulting some police officers a couple of Christmases ago. Luanne is in very many ways why this podcast came into being in the first place. Luanne Nadeau was born May 17th, 1965, making her a Taurus. In spite of the title that she would achieve through the magnificently meritorious act of marrying a rich guy, she was not born into privilege. She had a relatively normal childhood in Connecticut, had six siblings, Went to nursing school. Uh, while working as a nurse, she would also duck into New York City for modeling gigs. Like you do. Like you do. She had dreams. Big dreams. She wanted to be famous. Her first marriage was to actual French nobility, which is how she got the title Countess. And the person of Count Alexandra de la Sepse, born May 20, 1949, also a Taurus. So these two would shoot some ball together. I don't know. Uh, it was a classic play by a wealthy older guy. He's like 15 years older. Unbelievable. <laughs> and, um, so that kind of puts some contours onto their relationship. I think, as you would expect, the count, uh, had some pedigree. His ancestors include the builder of the Panama and Suez canals. Oh my. mm mm-hmm. And he himself, um... I don't know, shepherds the family fortune by working in finance. So Okay, like like you do. Yeah. He met Luann on the ski slopes of Gstaad, Switzerland, back in 93. Luann had gotten to Europe the old-fashioned way by taking a television job in Milan, Italy, where she (laughs) hosted a program about soccer, despite not speaking Italian and not knowing anything about soccer. Score! Nice work if you can get it. Oh,
0: my. So
1: she was basically... She was... With her boy, her Italian boyfriend in Gstaad at the time, which is like super luxe ski town, right? Oh, high end, yeah. Yeah, yeah like yeah. okay. I just if you're not familiar with super high end ski towns, <laughs> who are we even talking about? Okay, so she's visiting Gstaad with her Italian boyfriend, and the count was instantly smitten. Eye contact. Lots of it. He tells her um, how he feels. Luanne's no dummy. I mean, rich older dude. He's a count. He's a count. So boyfriend gets ghosted and they have eloped in like three months. Oh my. Yeah. This was his fourth marriage. <laughs> okay. Weirdly, he's perhaps a bit impulsive. But this this time it actually seemed to really work very well. And they would be together for the next 16 years. That's a really long time. Well, together maybe, I don't know, but they had two kids. Alex continued his work around the world using microfinance to boost various humanitarian endeavors in poor countries. I don't know. He's old money. I have a feeling there's some shadiness too, but also he funded an orphanage one time or something. It's one of those, like his Wikipedia page is... Complicated man. Spare. Yeah. Okay. Luann seems to have relished her role as a countess like you do i don't know how uh, come on yeah so they spend their relationship jet setting and globe trotting and all of that and luann ultimately is kind of primarily living in bridgehampton new york like in the hamptons raising the kids and alex is like flitting around i'm saying alex which would doing finance doing finance um I'm saying Alex because I'm not. It's the it's the French spelling of Alexander with the D R E on the end, and I'm probably I've already probably mispronounced it. So, also I think it would drive them up the wall for someone to call him Alex. (laughs) So,
0: Alex it is. Alex it
1: is. (laughs) So it's from this like Hamptons perch that in 2007 or so, Luann begins hosting a segment on Good Day New York called the Countess Culture. It's like oh etiquette and manners, okay, and it's sort of the beginning of her attempt to build this countess brand that's all about old world norms and aristocratic bearing and blah blah bullshit we oui, uh... oui, oui, oui. <laughs> so her friend Jill Zarin calls her up and says, Hey, you've probably seen the real Housewives of Orange County or something that had premiered the year before, maybe." Bravo wants to do a New York one. You're the countess. Come on. like You're perfect for this. this. Is, yeah, this is like unbeatable. You, are, you have an unbeatable backstory, which is a little bit true. So the Real Housewives of Orange County had been cheap and successful. So Bravo really liked it. So they wanted to launch New York City for 2008. Luann, again, always had a big dream of being famous, agreed to join and fans instantly took to, or took to hating, her idiosyncrasies. Good, fast, cheap, (laughs) too. High maintenance is probably a good descriptor for most of the women who involve themselves in this universe of shows, but Luann was still able to distinguish herself in the crowd. According to a 2009 New York Times profile by Ruth LaFurla, Mrs. De is unmatched at the kind of brinksmanship routinely practiced on the series. Who has the most mannerly children, the most lithe physique, the most impeccable pedigree? I never feel guilty about being privileged. She never tires of saying to her co-stars' annoyance, she chastises. (laughs) Yeah, she chastises her friend Bethany Frankel for introducing her to a chauffeur as Luann. It's like Mrs. De La She scolds. It's a level of respect. R e s -S 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 -S
0: -S p e c t.
1: Yeah. Wow. Um, so Luann had kind of glommed onto her tenuous tie to an aristocracy, and was attempting to turn this into, you know, a personal brand promoting class and propriety. And did the dog just burp the while I was just walked in and burped? Fantastic. I'm glad you <laughs> fed her. That's good.
0: You could just back up to the beginning Uh of that sentence.
1: Mm -hmm. That'd be great. Luanne glommed onto her tenuous tie to an aristocracy and attempted to turn it into a brand promoting some weird notion of class and propriety. The Countess culture segments, as noted, had been about manners and etiquette. And there's like a tiny problem with all of this, though, because it turns out that Luanne and her life are not classy. Oh, no. (laughs) They are quite trashy, in fact. Um, and now we shall proceed to the dumpster fire.
0: Filled with trash candy.
1: Let's, let's jump to March 09. The second okay. season of Rony had, that's the acronym, R-H-O-N-Y, had premiered Match. A, a month earlier. And in mid-March, Luanne and Alex had celebrated their 16th anniversary. Then, as was his wont, he flitted back off to Europe where he was headquartered. Well, she was still in the Hamptons with the kids and her TV, her budding TV career. And then he stopped taking her phone calls.
0: I was going to say, does he have a mistress now or later?
1: A few days after he stopped taking her phone calls, <laughs> there's an email. Apparently he's know. not one for confrontation. <laughs> so Alex was in Geneva and dropped this little... Note to his wife of 16 years to what let her know. What does email say? I got that... dumped by email once. It's not fun. Yeah. It's really bad. Yeah.
0: and I mean, it's funny. It's not funny, you, then it's funny now. You
1: hadn't been together for 16 years, right? Oh, no, like six days. Right. <laughs> it still stung. Sure. Sure. So Alex was in Geneva where he had fallen in love with a younger woman with an actual royal pedigree, Ethiopian princess, Camaria Abajabir Abijafar. And he would be divorcing Luann. <laughs> Well, that's a hell of email to get. Yep. Wow. Yep. So unbelievable. (laughs) Ah, those (laughs) Tauruses. She was devastated. They had primarily, like, they had pretty much lived separate lives in separate places for a long time. But I think they just had a comfortable arrangement, and she did not expect that he would take up with someone else and perhaps stay with them and dump the two decade marriage by
0: email. Yeah, hard to see coming. Yeah, so... Until an Ethiopian
1: princess gets in the way, and then, well... Right. So, to her credit, she had the classy Countess image to uphold, and she did, I think, attempt to soldier on into this experience with a little bit of dignity. And grace, good on her. Also, she had a book coming out. <laughs> oh, no. What's that, you ask? A book? A book on what? What? Class with the Countess, How to Live with Elegance and Flair was due to hit the shelves, I don't know, in April.
0: No. Uh-huh. Bless her heart. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh no's Okay, The Times describes the book as quote an autobiographical etiquette guide in which she offers tips on how to seduce and hang on to a man. <laughs> Slightly bad timing. Bless so, her heart. It turns out though that Rony fans really took to this plot line of the housewife scorned and rallied, like ratings for the show went up and like tabloid mentions were all like it started off as like this Ethiopian person or the Ethiopian woman or something like that. Like finally the count himself, I think, interceded and was like, She has, has a, a name. name.
0: Yeah. Say my name, say my name. So which you actually pronounced very well. You just did that like a champ. Did you I you practice I practiced that? it. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Well done.
1: It's a great... Her name is awesome. Yeah. So I think the divorce went pretty well for Luann. She got the house in Bridgehampton. She remained wealthy. She okay. had custody of the kids who were great. like 12 and 14 at the time. Sure. And like to top it all off, she ended up remaining really good friends with her ex-husband, which is... Something not everybody can manage. Fantastic. Deserves a little credit for that. Like the this goes on. Her life has taken a turn, but I don't know. That's so that's one down. One marriage down. Boom. Okay. And yeah, I mean the trashiness there was not really hers so much. It was really his. (laughs) Is she calling herself the countess still? Yes. She kept the title as a uh, courtesy, yes, she retained the title. title as a courtesy, and in the divorce documents, it stipulated that if she remarried, she was she would no longer. I don't know who in America. Okay, but life goes on. Post-divorce, Luann has dabbled in acting and music, including 2010's airbrushed and auto-tuned "Money Can't Buy You Class." We will have that video for you on the website, please. Please 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 just Google it, I mean whatever, but like don't sleep on that. <laughs> <clears throat> I I do feel like Luann has then spent the ensuing decade attempting to prove that money can't buy you class. That that is a uh, her life may be a cabaret, but boy <laughs> What happens? Okay. She kept housewifing along with all the other recently divorced housewives because being a real housewife destroys your marriage. And I think she built a sideline hawking a jewelry collection that she curated or whatever. In 2011, she had a guest role in a Law & Order SVU episode, and she treated this like, like she had a feature film coming out. Like, she or Bravo, somebody organized a press call to just talk about, like... My my guest spot on the crime show that'll be on forever because people are into that sort of thing. Like, awesome. Self-promotion, yeah. man. Yeah. So she was on the call. She was talking about like, oh, it's my second chance at life. And like, I'm, I'm dating again. And like, I'm really moving on. It's stuff you would expect. But of course, just it's Luann, So it's blown way out of proportion. Okay. So it was not until 2015 that things got serious with a new man. This was a New York slash Florida businessman, which you could stop right there. Yep. <laughs> Named Tom Dagostino. And Tom is like a housewives chaser. Is that a thing you can be? Because he's dated a bunch of them. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh no. All right. so yeah, he like he runs a company that makes branded gear for businesses. Okay. Like if you want your logo on pencils and stuff, like sure. he'll hook you up. I think they do more than that marketing kind of stuff. Anyway, I guess he's drawn to things that might raise his profile. In particular, this meant dating other housewives, uh, including Sonia Morgan and Ramona Singer. Okay. I think he was good friends with Dorinda Medley, another of the housewives. So anyway, Dorinda introduced Tom and Luann, and she would tell People Magazine later, the reason I introduced Tom to Luann is because they're actually the same person, Oh, God. I don't know if that's a compliment. Like, Durant is apparently a, a genuine friend of Luann, but it's still, anyway. In February of 2016, Luann posted a smiling photo of the pair of them with an eight-carat yellow diamond engagement ring conspicuously posed between them. Oh, Lord. It was, as they say, on. And, like, let's take a minute to tip our caps to the folks at Bravo who have apparently created... This immersive world where their reality TV performers actually transform into reality TV versions of themselves and then make terrible real life decisions befitting a trashy scripted television show. I remember why we decided not to cover Real Housewives anymore, but you know what, listeners? You're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome. So Tom's a Capricorn boy born on December 31st. Oh. Um, It would turn out 50 years prior to 2016. So do that math. And the two of them decided it would be an awesome 50th birthday present to get married down at his Florida place in West Palm Beach. So apparently the distinction between Palm Beach and West Palm Beach has been a source of snobbery for the tonier Palm Beachier housewives. But yeah, they're not the same place. They're apparently not the same place. The engagement period was about what you would expect, although if you throw your eyes back a few years and look at the classy branding that Luann came into this world with, it's actually quite bizarre. At one point, as the wedding approached, Bethany Frankel, I guess, showed Luann, like, allegedly recent pictures of Tom kissing one of his ex-girlfriends. Oh, gosh. So Luann did what any normal person would do in that situation. She did not invite Bethany to the wedding. (gasps) No, um, no. <laughs> oh, wait. I'm sorry. Do you have something to say? No. Nope. Are you spotting a flaw in the plan there? <laughs> okay. And so it was that on New Year's Eve of the year 2016. Oh, God. The Countess Luanne de Lesseps and Tom D'Agostino walked down the aisle before a crowd of 250 people at the Brazilian Court Hotel actually in Palm Beach, not that slum known as West Palm. (laughs) (laughs) At one point, the Count had even reached out to offer to give her away, but in the end, he decided not to attend. Not that it mattered. Their children, now nearly adults, were the flower girl and the ring bearer. There was a big party afterwards with a mariachi band and a Marilyn Monroe impersonator jumping out of a giant cake, which is a weird gift to give the guy you married 10 minutes ago. And the marriage lasted all of seven months. <laughs>
0: oh, no.
1: By August, they were done. There were tabloid reports of infidelity, which I know shocks everyone. Or perhaps, like, other reports or someone slapped someone else. We don't know. Every, everyone has denied everything or pointed the finger at the other. It doesn't even matter. She reacted in what might seem like an obvious way. She packed up the kids and headed to Switzerland for a few weeks to clear her head. Like you do. Major plot point in the Luann story. For this ridiculous and doomed romance, she gave up that courtesy title of Countess that Alex had agreed to let her keep until she remarried. She continues to use it to this day. Oh, no. (laughs) Doesn't even matter. Look, was Count Basie a Count? No, I don't think he was. (laughs) Two marriages down, but we are not done with Luann's descent into trashy madness quite yet. Oh, no. So apparently she decided that for Christmas in 2017, what she really needed to do was confront some of her demons and work some things through. Great. As far as I can piece it together, here is what happened at the Colony Hotel on Christmas Eve 2017 in Palm Beach. Oh, no. Luanne had intended to stay with a friend who had been a bridesmaid at her wedding the year before. Okay. But the friend had cats, and if you're looking for a character flaw in Luann, it turns out she's not a cat person. (laughs) So she heads over to the Colony Hotel, where her wedding brunch had been held the year before, definitely working some things through. She met up with a dude she had dated before Tom, which one report referred to as the polo guy, I think. The polo dude. Oh, the polo dude. Anyway. Pony um, boy. Pony boy. It's... Yay! It's a pony boy. Okay. So she meets up with Pony boy. Pony boy. And fueled by what one assumes is a tremendous amount of alcohol, they decide to head up to her room on the third floor. But please note, Luann is drunk and accidentally hits the wrong button in the, in the elevator.
0: Okay. okay. And
1: they end up on the fourth floor. And okay. she is rummaging around looking for her room key and must have just, like, tried a doorknob and it opened. And just like, oh, here's my, here's my room. And they go, much to the surprise of a maid in the hallway who was in the process of turning down that room. Oh no! The maid is like, "This what is fucked the up." Hell! So she calls for backup. Oh no! The hotel manager comes up and tries to get Luann and the boy toy to leave. And Ponyboy was like, "Whoa! I did. I like. I didn't know what room she was in. Like." <laughs> Happy to go, I'm just following come on, the Luke. drunk lady, yeah, come on, <laughs> come on, drunk lady let's let's get out of here, and she won't, yeah, this she's is like, my room, I need to speak to your manager, basically, oh no, yeah, so she's so this is just the beginning of the white ladying of this, oh okay, no. so the police are called, like how how do you escalate this to the police are called, but she did. And the police come to try to pry the drunken housewife out of someone else's hotel room at about 9.30 p.m. Hours later, like after 1 a.m., Luann is installed into a police vehicle in handcuffs. There's like 30 minutes of video of this, and she's just arguing with the cops about everything. Again, it's after 1 in the morning. So probably it's been several hours since she had a drink. So I was like gonna say,
0: are they? Is she still drinking, or is she just really in the throes I, they, of
1: alcoholism,
0: which is a disease? There's nothing funny is. about it. Like, I
1: did see, I did see a headline where she was like, "It's I may have been roofied or something." Like, because it, the timeline here, like four hours, you're working off a. a I mean, I get. It's, lem- it's I guess a, that's if, an odd story. You know, maybe if she had been drinking all day long, which she certainly could have been, maybe I don't know. In any case, Luann ends up slipping out of the handcuffs that they have put on her. Oh no! And like, gets out of the car. She kicks one of the cops. She tells him she's going to fucking kill them. Uh, all the completely right things to do when you're dealing with officers of the law. Oh. But of course, as a white lady, um, no one shot Luann, so that's good. Uh, she was arrested and charged with disorderly intoxication battery of an officer, resisting arrest, and making threats against a public servant. Again, all the right things. Oh all my. the right things. Class with the Countess, indeed. Class with a K. <laughs> so she has been in and out of rehab at least twice since this happened. Largely largely because she ended up negotiating a plea deal for probation instead of going to jail. So that's good. Like, they dropped the felony like she assaulted a police officer. Yeah, it's a felony. Yeah, they, they dropped that um and just stuck with the misdemeanors. So to be really, really clear about what happened here, maybe money can't buy you class, but it can buy you boutique justice, because she was out in the world being free, like launching her cabaret show, which would turn into a nationally touring production. Um, Obviously, that's on hold for now. But I I think that's something she loves doing and will keep doing because her life is a cabaret. She's housewifing from her arrest in December of 2017 to the end of August 2018. What the hell? When a judge finally approved the plea agreement. Now, the agreement had, a, you know, community service. Has to say sober. Yep, No being, drinking, okay. two AA meetings a week. And, you know, you have to document all this stuff. And, Absolutely. Right. So she didn't and she drank (laughs) oh no didn't do community service um she was very nearly sent back to jail last may but somehow talked the judge into letting her go this is after she admitted in court papers to drinking on at least one occasion she completed probation at the end of last august and has since announced that she's drinking again which just seems silly that aside from the sense in rehab uh she probably didn't ever really stop so that's sad yeah, it's a really, it is. Um, so that's kind of all I care to share about America's ridiculous fake aristocrat. Although there is plenty like her kids suitor. What? Yeah, they put it all back together. Like, but yeah, they're just,
0: oh, we got to talk about that in trashy tidbits.
1: This we'll week. put it in tidbits. Okay. It's uh, there's so much. She came out of rehab and had a sit down face to face interview with Megyn Kelly back when Megyn Kelly was at NBC, I think like, the nightmare life of this person. Oh, okay, okay,
0: Tidbits is going to be lit this week.
1: Yeah, so she has definitely proven that money can't buy you class. And for that, Luanne de earns herself 248 trash cans for the number of days she was out there fucking off between her arrest and her plea agreement. And like, can you imagine? And then going to a judge and being like, actually, I haven't done anything that you told me to do. But you shouldn't send me to jail. <laughs>
0: 248 trash cans with a K.
1: Yeah. So I will leave you with the close of the New York Times profile I mentioned earlier because I just feel like it it captures something essential. Public humiliation, she indicated, is not too great a price for fame. Oh, no. Yes, she is embarrassing herself on television, but there are rewards. In recent weeks, Mrs. Deliceps has been approached to introduce a countess dress. She said, the one simple thing you can wear for any occasion... She would welcome a television career. My dream job, she said, is to have the hottest new game show in town. An agent once told her she recalled that, quote, there is a movie in you. Would she make that film if it was offered? I would, she said, then added, I just wonder how good I would be at playing myself. The narcissism. It (laughs) is real.
0: That was an amazing story. But I think that's our through line because we didn't really have it. Tell me that last that last line that you just
1: said. I wonder how good I would be at playing myself, I think.
0: That's Cary Grant. I wonder how good I would be at playing myself because he played somebody entirely different. There's your through line. That's really interesting. That is a lovely quote. Great story. 248 trash cans. Let's take a break and come back with. My favorite swoon-worthy Capricorn man.
1: Yeah, I I genuinely feel bad for for pairing him with her, but what can you do? He deserves better. We drew it (laughs) fair and square. (laughs) Out of the trashy cat cups. So what happens? Yep. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back with Kara Grant. Hey, Trash Pandas. When you need a brain break from your day, let me recommend the game June's Journey for Android and iPhone. It's a hidden object mystery game where you are solving a murder, uncovering family secrets, and, I don't know, exposing official corruption? All in an extremely stylish 1920s setting. Every scene takes you deeper into the mystery and introduces you to an expansive cast of characters as June Parker explores the questions surrounding her sister's apparent murder-suicide at the family's beachfront estate. Add your own elements to the island from lush gardens to gorgeous new buildings. This story has so many twists and turns. Right now, we are on a global journey attempting to rescue June's niece, Virginia. It's a great combo of gameplay. It's a memory puzzle, a design project, an intriguing storyline with genuinely fabulous art. When you want to let your mind wander, relax into this glorious 1920s murder mystery and get lost in the fun. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. All right, Alicia, I am not going to screw around here. You've got one of my favorite actors of all time. He's my favorite actor of all time. He's incredible. This week,
0: by popular demand, I am bringing to you... The trashy divorces tale, of everyone's favorite, and there are a lot of favorite of them. Everyone's favorite Capricorn man, <laughs> Cary Grant. He makes me swoon. He's so good, big time. Like he, I, swoon, mm-hmm. capital S W O O N swoon. Period. Mm-hmm. Done and done. Cary Grant was not born. Cary Grant. It's gonna take a whole life. His life is a cabaret. His life is a cabaret. It's gonna take a whole life to craft the character. That is Cary Grant. And it is a far cry from the tale you think you may know. It is sad, truly. This magnificent force of a man just could not be himself in a world and has to create an alternate character to pass. So maybe gay, maybe bisexual, queer, all the words. Let's use them because this story has everything. ha. <sighs> Cary Grant was born Archibald Alexander Leach on a cold England morning in Bristol in January 1904, January 18th. He's the second child of Elias and Elsie. Dad Elias is a tailor's presser. He irons all day. Dad Elias meets mom Elsie when she's working as a seamstress in the same shop. But for real, Elsie thinks she has married beneath her and never stops telling Elias she has married beneath her. Dad Elias is a pretty big-time alcoholic, and the marriage never really sounds happy, and it gets worse because the thing you need to know is this couple, bless them, has a child in 1899, which is the fulfillment of Elsie's every wish, and sadly, the child dies in 1900. He's a boy. He's a year old. And the reason given is tuberculosis. But Cary Grant will say that his mom admits that she shut the door on his thumb and didn't get it treated in gangrene cells. Oh, my in.
1: God. Oh, my God. And that's
0: what kills the poor boy. However it happens, the loss of this child is going to skew mom mentally in a lot of ways for the rest of her life. She'll never forgive herself for the death of her son. So when new baby Archibald Cary Grant comes along 4 years later, mom is extremely overprotective, very much like the Victorians do cross dresses Archie his whole childhood. So there's a lot of is it a boy, is it a girl? Which is if you're like if you're as good looking and charming as Archie is, let's play. Yeah. Let's let's see what happens. Archie with a delicately tuned mother and a extremely alcoholic father who really takes neglectful to a whole different level, as you'll see shortly. Like poor Archie. He's not great in school. Not that he's not smart. He will always be a lifelong reader. He's brilliant in his investments. He like will be a multi everything by the time his life happens. But as a kid, not great in school. He's an attention seeker. He's a mischief maker. So one cold February day in 1915, February 3rd, Archie goes to school. He's just turned 11. And that afternoon he comes home from school and is told by dad that mom is gone. She's gone to the seashore for a vacation and she won't be around for a while.
1: And dad is completely neglectful.
0: And Archie's like, "Uh, where's my mom? And he's not going to learn the truth for another 20 years until daddy Elias makes a deathbed confession that mom has actually been placed in a lunatic asylum by Elias. And she's been there for 20 years.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Post-it note that because that's going to come back around. So mom is at 11 for Archie locked in an insane asylum Dad Elias hooks up and moves in with a new gal, and they have kids, and nobody wants Archie around. So he's sent to boarding school, which goes pretty badly. Again, troubled student. Not a great student. student. And schoolwork. Like, who wants to do
1: that? Well, and, like, his mother just vanished.
0: One good adult who makes an influence gets Archie a school assignment. And then Archie just begins skipping to help out at the Bristol Music Hall. With props and sets oh. and like it does come to the cabaret, the lore right. of the theater. Because this was
1: like vaudeville era, right? Like the, the, the music hall yeah. wasn't just for bands. It was for...
0: Mid-1910s. Yeah, yeah. like And the lore of the theater for misplaced and queer kids. It is happy oh, yeah. and it's anything you want it to oh, be. Yeah, No,
1: weirdos always run off and join the circus. And the
0: crowd cheers for you and it's a place where... You can attain a sense of belonging. And for real, if you are, ever have known a theater kid, you know this to be true. Mm -hmm. And Archie, who's not had a sense of belonging, finds his people. So this rolls for a while. So when Archie is like 14, a really famous touring company comes to Bristol. It's called the Bob Penders Company. It's vaudeville. And Archie convinces the troupe through his charm and good looks and Fervor for all they're doing to let Archie join up. And soon enough, Archie's in the act. He's 16. He leaves school. He's doing pratfalls. He's walking on stilts. He's learning how to win over an audience every single night. And this training is going to come in really handy in Mm -hmm. short order. Because talkies are coming. Well, in 1920... The Bob Penders Company is traveling to the United States for an overseas roadshow. And Archie, 16, plucky, walks on stilts really good. That's why he's bull-legged. Like, he walks with a bull leg his entire life, but it's because he knows how to walk on stilts. Okay, Archie, 16. Yeah, we're going to choose you. You come join us. The Bob Penders Company is going to perform... Two years in the United States, completing 455 shows. That's quite a work ethic. In 1922, Bob Penders and the company is headed back to England. And Archie's (laughs) like, friends, thank you. But there's nothing for me in England. I think I'm going to stay right here. So he does. So Archie, walking on stilts at Coney Island for tips getting any job he can. He gets a few small walk-on parts, which are shitty parts that will get less shitty through time. But Mm -hmm. it's all a struggle. It becomes much easier with Archie's new love. Ah, the story. The first love that happens is in Greenwich Village in the early 20s and is with Australia's most famous Oscar winner for costume design, a man named Ori Kelly. He's not famous yet. Archie Leach isn't famous yet. They're just artists working on their art. Yeah. And Ori Kelly is hand painting ties, neckties, which Archie will help him sell in Coney Island until the cops come around and then we'll oh, right. shut up the suitcases. Right. And this is how rent is paid. Cause in a hot minute, Archie and Ori are living together and making pies and Archie will fry fish. He'll fry cod just like they do in England And it all seems very romantic Mm -hmm. and wonderful. And this is what they call the Kelly Leach era. And Archie could have done worse than to hook up with a dude who really has an eye to fashion. Like Ori Kelly knows how to, like, knows form and function and how to dress a person. So Ori begins working on Archie. Let's kick that Cockney accent. How do I help you dress all dapper-like? Let me hand Taylor a tuxedo. Let me remake your image. Because if you can look the part, you can become the part. So this helps the remake of the image when Archie will pull some paid escort gigs, which he does to help make the rent. And Ori isn't bugged by any of this. Archie always comes home to him. Hmm. And like you do, struggling artists making it together, you work to get noticed and they do. It's off to California. It is off to California. Archie's going to get a new movie star name, Cary Grant, and begin appearing in supporting roles. And Ori and Cary now are meeting for dinner a lot. But Ori will say that Cary was fashioning himself to be the new Clark Gable. Mm -hmm. His head was in the stars. I got a dog. Hmm. Ori's dumped. Ori's ditched. Right. Because the thing that Ori is trying to impress on Carrie at the time is that Hollywood is most assuredly not Greenwich Village, where things are much more accepted. Like, you're in the Hollywood in the golden age of film, and you are living in the most homophobic right. city in the
1: world. Yeah, I mean, the, the image process, I, I, all of the Louis B. Mayer stuff that we've talked about in the past, like... Mm-hmm. Like, the studio owned the actors. The studio owned, literally, like, decisions like marriage. Who you can date. I mean, and and they'd punish you.
0: Oh, this is a good story. This has everything. This has new things. So by 1932, Cary Grant is taking Hollywood by storm and supporting roles. And he's going to meet his next love, an actor named Randolph Scott. Randolph Scott. This is the one I've heard about. mm -hmm, Is from a wealthy Southern family and Randy has left Virginia because you can't be gay there only to come to Hollywood, the most homophobic city in the world, to make a career and his dreams come true. And sweet Lord, if you think Cary Grant is handsome, get a load of Randolph Scott because these two are just pretty. They are pretty together and they're gonna rent a beach home in Santa Monica together and they're in love and they do a layout. They do a photographic layout in Architectural Digest where they're photographed together like oh just lifting weights in their gym cooking pie in the kitchen here's us relaxing with cocktails in the living room. No
1: it's I I think it was treated as a satire of a heterosexual relation like the I've seen this. It's amazing.
0: It's amazing. It's
1: like I, I really, I think it really was done very tongue in cheek with like a ha ha, what would it be like if two men were a married couple? Like But no, they, <laughs> but they
0: are were a married couple. And Paramount, who Carrie Grant has signed with, is having fucking fits. So they decide to rename this beach house Bachelor Hall. Oh, I'm sure. And so now Oh, my God. They're just saving some money. Oh, my God. Well, like, this isn't going to do. We have our two leading actors shacking up together and making
1: fucking magazine spreads. So, the we're, studio... Where they're baking pies together and stuff. Like, it is...
0: Amazing. Bonzo
1: that this made it into the press.
0: This is Architectural fucking Digest. If,
1: but, I mean, like, if you have eyes in your head, you're like, oh, oh, Cary Grant and Randolph Scott. There are a couple, like, but... So many people, like, our blind spots are so defining of who we are. So the studio just starts sending in and out women.
0: Right. And, like, Randolph Scott's birthday is just a few days. I think he's January 23rd. So you'll see see a few of these pictures. There's a birthday cake. Happy birthday, Carrie and Randy. And there's a starlet in between them holding their birthday cake. Uh (laughs) Bachelor Hall. Okay. Okay. Makes it a little bit more sellable to the public. They're going to have this beach house together until 1944 for 12
1: years. But, it, but it's on again, off again, right? They're, I'll let you tell story. Ish-ish. Sorry.
0: So the studio will parade each of them out with leading ladies, and then it's back home to each other. And poor Ori, remember Ori, who's still around, oh. like... Oh, because Ori doesn't try to fool anybody, but... Apparently, like, boxing fights, fights are where you see other stars at the time. And Ori says, I would see Carrie, and it seems to me like he could do without a friend like me. Hmm. And Ori becomes part of Cary Grant's murky past. And when they see each other at events, Cary Grant will avoid his eyes. Yikes. So 1934, Carrie is going to marry for the first time to a gal named Virginia Cheryl. Young, innocent starlet. And Ori Kelly, because he's still hanging out, kind of-ish at this point, warns Virginia that Carrie's going to break her heart. Hmm. The ex-ex-boyfriend is right. like, girl, you're in danger. <laughs> Don't do it. But to no avail. The studio arranges the marriage because of the whole Cary Grant, Randolph Scott thing. So off Carrie Grant... And Virginia go to Claxton Hall and then England and they come back to the States. And sure enough, the newlyweds are moving into the house with Randolph Scott. Wow. Wow. And it's not a happy threesome. So as you can imagine, it's a little rocky. And here's what's a little sad is after this first marriage, there's a suicide attempt from Cary Grant at this point. Like um, I was living... Just what I was doing, and I got married because the studio wanted me to. Like, I'm not living my truth. Within one year, Virginia and Carrie are splitsville. They'll divorce March of 1935, like less than a year in. Virginia will go on to marry two more times, dying at the age of 88 in Santa Barbara. 1935 is also a big year, the year of this first divorce, and maybe makes Cary Grant's despair A little bit more understandable. And this is where I'll go to Archie. Archie's dad is dying and on his deathbed reveals the fact that mom. Right. Is in fact not at the seashore, but she has been locked in an asylum for 20 years.
1: Can you imagine living in an era where a psychologist wouldn't be like, actually, it would really help her to have a relationship with her child? Eek.
0: Archie, her son, Cary Grant, is going to get her out of the asylum. Good. And pay for her care the rest of her life. He's like, Mom, come to America. And Elsie wants to stay in England. But they will write letters. Mm-hmm. And Archie will visit her in England often. Elsie does much better in her free state. <laughs> She'll live to the age of 95, passing wow. away in 1973. Yikes. Okay. 1936 Randolph Scott will marry a DuPont heiress
1: the tires the rubber people
0: the DuPont fortune Mm -hmm. and oh geez it doesn't last very long this only lasts three years but he'll move two doors down from the home that he'll still share with Cary Grant in the Malibu Beach House oh god they never stop living together. They don't stop living together from 1932 to 1944. By 1939, Randy, who still lives there, but has moved two doors down. Right. His marriage to the DuPont heiress is over. <laughs> boys are reunited, although hmm. it never stops. 1942, Carrie Grant will become a U.S. citizen and also scoop up wife number two this year. On July 8th, 1942, Carrie Grant will marry Barbara Woolworth Hutton, mm. whose grandfather is the owner of Woolworths mm-hmm. and father is the co-owner of E.F. Hutton. So Barbara's loaded. Cary Grant will be Barbara's third husband with four more to come after they split in 1945. She was the poor little rich girl Absolutely. in the Depression, right? Okay. I'm... Not doing a ton of detail because right. I think she's her own profile in the future. Right.
1: We we touched on her in the uh, Marjorie Merriweather Post episode long ago. Correct. Okay. And we hit her, I think,
0: oh, with Porfirio Ruby Rosa. She was married oh, to yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Spiderwebs. Spiderwebs. This marriage from Carrie Grant will effectively end... The arrangement, quote unquote, with Randolph Scott, like by 1944.
1: They're no longer bachelors in Bachelor Hall. They're, they no longer live in
0: Bachelor Hall together, but they will remain close throughout the rest of their lives. Things about the marriage from Cary Grant and Barbara Hutton. Cary Grant will take no money from Barbara. He has his own and plenty of fame to boot. The press will call them cash and carry because remember Barbara Hutton's so frail, so she's carried around all the time. Oh, my gosh, She has to be carried everywhere. It sounds exhausting. Okay. So a little side story here about 1944 has Cary Grant starring in one of my very favorite films, which I found out in the research for this story is the film he hates the most. Out of 70 films that he made, Arsenic and Old Lace. Oh. My favorite film. It's his most detested.
1: Interesting.
0: Cary Grant will donate the $100,000 salary he makes in this movie to the war relief Mm -hmm. effort. Because, see, on this movie, Ori Kelly shows back up.
1: Oh. Glass from the
0: past. And he's doing costumes. He does costumes for everything. Right. He'll win three Oscars. Mm -hmm. Like, we're going to talk about Ori Kelly on Trashy Tidbits. A legend. But they're on set together. And there's this program called Queen for the Day. And one day the Queen for the Day limousine pulls up on set. And Cary Grant, like, says to Ori Kelly, oh, your ride's here. Oh,
1: God. Mm-hmm. And oh, this is a that low is, blow. That, yeah, like, there is nothing worse than. You no, know, considering the intimate and
0: personal relationship they've had. Like, right. Like. Carrie never acknowledges the existence of the past. And what's weird is during this time, they will end up reconnecting. And Carrie Grant will start coming around to Ori's after shooting. And uh, Ori's like, I hear he's rather friendless and he makes me laugh. And could it seem possible that we could be pals again? Until one night he asks me, is it true? Am I writing a memoir? What's in it? What am I gonna say about him? No one must ever know.
1: <sighs> okay. So, all right. I don't like this aspect of Cary Grant, but okay.
0: I mean, you live your like. I.
1: I know. I. I, I know. wish I could
0: be me. There's Archie Leach and there's Cary Grant. Yeah. So
1: no, and I mean Cary Grant has everything to lose if gay uh, rumors start circulating. It's a tragedy. So I I also, I wonder how much Hollywood played a role in normalizing divorce by basically forcing perfectly happy. I mean, again, it sounds like, um, it sounds like Cary Grant was not like gay, gay, like he maybe bisexual, but like they did force a lot of perfectly content gay people to marry people of the opposite sex. (laughs) Then it didn't work out for some reason.
0: Cary Grant has this really great quote. I wish I could remember it. That like nothing turns a woman on more than to say you don't want her, they'll try even harder and carry Grant like sex. <sighs> so great
1: mm-hmm.
0: I mean, that's the thing. By gay, queer, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever rainbow color you are in the umbrella, that's fine. But it couldn't be fine then. So he lived this whole life in this manifestation of falsehood. Mm-hmm. Until I think we're we're gonna get there. Like, fatherhood helps, but we have a little bit to make it there. Poor Barbara Mm, Hutton-ish, because by 1945, she's out. Again, she's going to marry four more times. She will die in 1979 at the age of 66 from a heart attack at the Beverly Hills Wiltshire Hotel, where she's been holed up for a while. She and Cary Grant actually remain friends for life. Carrie is really close to her son, Lance, because he's like the stepson that she has. And Lance ends up dying in a plane accident. But the Barbara and Carrie remain close for a number of years, just not married. So two wives down, three to go. Up next, Betsy Drake. Carrie Grant will meet Betsy Drake on a trip. On the Queen Mary 2, shipboard romance becomes a thing. Carrie will be instrumental in getting Betsy a contract with RKO. And on Christmas Day, here's some spiderwebs for you. Christmas Day 1949. Carrie Grant and Betsy Drake are flown by Howard Hughes to a private ranch in Arizona to elope and marry. Hm. This marriage of Carrie Grant's will last the longest, Married Christmas in 1949, they'll divorce in August of 1962 after a four-year separation. So, like, 12, 13 years. But all of it is tumultuous. Like, they get married, and Carrie gets a new role, and guess who his new co-star is? Randolph Scott. Sent on toes. Sophia Loren. Oh, God. Okay. (laughs) And Betsy will visit the set, and she's mad. And Sophia Loren is like, nothing was ever going on. Sophia Loren is going to marry the director of that film and stay married until his death until 2007. (laughs) No, I was
1: seeing someone completely different on set. (laughs) Poor Betsy can't, like,
0: fucking catch a break. That's too bad. Betsy Drake, I'm not lying, is also one of the lucky souls who was rescued in 1956 when the Andrea Doria sinks and 46 souls are lost to the sea. Oh, my God. Betsy Drake is on the fucking Andrea Doria and is rescued when it sinks.
1: Does she know about airplanes? Spider like, webs? Because she met him on a boat, right? Betsy Drake
0: is also going to introduce LSD therapy Holy to Cary Grant. Holy Who will take something like 100 acid trips over a two-year period to deal with his past trauma and childhood terrors. Cary Grant is so grateful for this therapeutic relief that he will leave $10,000 to that doctor who helps him on his acid trips. Hmm. Timothy Leary was his name. (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) So the final straw in this, with Betsy, is a little film called House Boat. Betsy Drake has written the screenplay. What is with the boats and this woman? Okay. Boats, boats, boats. Boats, boats, boats. Betsy writes the screenplay, hoping to star in the movie to bring she and Carrie closer together. And Carrie goes behind her back to have the script rewritten and instead will cast Sophia Loren... And that pretty much ends them. They're going to separate Betsy, wife number three, out by 1962. Betsy is not just going to leave Hollywood. She's going to leave the movie business altogether. Hmm. She will spend her life being a therapist to children with mental health issues. Love it. Betsy does not ever remarry, does not ever have kids, and dies at the age of 92 in 2015. But Cary Grant's not done. And Ori Kelly actually has this great quote in his memoirs. He says, When a man over 40 says he has fallen for a girl of 20, it isn't her youth he is seeking, but his own. Hmm. Let's welcome wife number four, (laughs) July 22nd, 1965. The lovely Diane Cannon, Hmm. who is 27, will marry the 61-year-old Cary Grant. They'll get hitched at the Dunes Hotel in Las Vegas, owned by Um, Howard Hughes. They'll travel to England to meet Mom, Elsie. Diane is pregnant. And that child, Jennifer, will be Cary Grant's first and only child. And fatherhood, he's like Barney Stinson. Fatherhood changes him. He's done and he's done and he's done. He's in love with his daughter at the age of 62. Cary Grant will retire to spend time with his daughter hmm. and his wife. But for real, the marriage is super rocky. It's going to end by 1968 after a long and protracted, very nasty custody and divorce battle. They will share custody of Jennifer. Diane gets $4,500 a month. Carry retires. He's done 70 movies, has received five Golden Globe nominations, Two Oscar nominations. He gets an honorary Oscar in 1970, which is presented by Old Blue Eyes himself, Frank Sinatra. Yes, ma'am. But not to be outdone, Cary Grant, one more marriage, this time in 1981, to a 30-year-old PR agent named Barbara Harris. The same year, 1981, Cary Grant receives the Kennedy Center Honors And the 80-ish years old Carrie...
1: I was going to say, he's... Wow, because he was born in 1904?
0: Yeah. With the youth infusion of this new hot young wife. Does this tour called Conversations with Cary Grant. And he shows old movie clips and answers audience questions... And these are one-man, 90-minute shows. It's like a Mark Twain... Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Charles Dickens did... Uh, he, that's yeah. it. There's no stopping Carrie fucking Grant.
0: <laughs> Carrie will actually have a minor stroke in 1984. He'll recover before dying at the age of 82 in November of 1986 after rehearsals for one of these continuing performances. And that is the tale... Of the trashy divorces and love affairs of Hollywood's leading man, my favorite Capricorn, eternal heartthrob, makes me swoon every time, Cary Grant. If I'm given trash cans for this, Mm. all of those, I I don't know the number, make up your own, but all of the trash cans are in hand-tailored custom tuxedos and they're all capricorn bad boys and i love them all and it is trash candy at its finest carrie grant i'll never say a bad word about him
1: yeah really not clearly you know he had bad days (laughs) people he didn't treat great but that's everyone Um, living
0: in the most homophobic city in the world
1: You know what would have been... still
0: carry... He never stops
1: having love affairs with men. You know what would have been awesome? He just lives a
0: secret life.
1: I think he was probably too old to be considered for the part, but if he had played James Bond early on, that would have spiderwebbed into Porfirio Ruby Rosa again. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, he's just... he's, He's that dapper, right? Like...
0: Swoon. Mm -hmm. Swoon. I'm head over heels over Cary Grant. I love him. Thank you, listeners, for your suggestion of that one. Ah,
1: He's my favorite. I see that you're pulling out the cups. I'm
0: pulling out the cups because it's season six no rules and we have to pick for next week.
1: All right. I have my let's
0: shuffle these around. Not
1: today. Patriarchy mug. May you have the confidence
0: of a cat with zero fucks left to give. Ooh, I go first next week. I'm oh, doing then, it. Yeah, I'm doing you it. i I'm first. doing it. Okay.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. This, we get requests for this um, from, from a friend of ours. specifically requested mm-hmm. this one.
0: Uh ooh, ooh, palimony.
1: It's actually
0: a good clue. No. All right. This one definitely. I totally know what theme song we're using next week. I already got it. I already got it. (gasps) Yes.
1: Well, this definitely will require our time machine.
0: And an election
1: cycle. Yeah. There's a tie in to presidential history. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's an election year and we're going to time travel a bit. I'd to be go man talk about oh to go talk about a candidate from the Can't days you see of how good your, those two are going to be together that's going to work that's going to work really i well. love
0: season no rules wow those are
1: wow yeah
0: season no rules is the best thanks everybody for tuning in be sure if you need a little bit more trash candy in the meantime you can support us over on patreon with hundreds of episodes or tune into to the,
1: the free the, Trash yeah, Candy. Yeah, over on Patreon at um, bit.ly slash Trash Candy Quarantine. We add more stuff each week. If you need to fill a few more
0: hours. Yep. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. You are the very best.
1: Keep it trashy. God, I can't wait until... Boris Johnson is in my mug, and I cannot wait.
0: <laughs>
1: Every week, I'm like, please be Bojo. Please be Bojo. <laughs> Do you know what I've secretly started
0: doing though? What's that? Is
1: <laughs> taking things out of my mug?
0: No, 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 no. My mug is still my mug. But I started out with twelve slips. But I keep going through suggested divorces, and I throw a few more in just to add a oh, that's a really good idea. element of risk. Huh. Do you want to carry uh season six no rules onto season seven, and and people just keep sending us? Yeah, there's so many great divorces. that oh, yeah, and, we have to get to. Yeah, we
1: get emails we also in our facebook group there's a big perma thread on divorces people want to hear more about there have been so
0: many good ones that have come through this week but maybe we do that maybe we carry this through season seven just because i like how it works out i like it too what will be funny is in a few weeks i'll be like what the fuck we pulled these two people how do i pull them together but for right now there's a
1: through line everywhere we put the Countess Luann with Cary Grant, and they're actually, like, you can kind of see that works somehow.
0: Life is a cabaret, old chum. Life is a cabaret. Come to the cabaret. Until we see y'all again, thank you for tuning in. Y'all are the very best. You're doing great. Keep it so trashy. So trashy. Cheers, friends. Bye. Bye.